heard a story the other day about uh, several friends who were talking uh, after a meal in a restaurant. And somehow the subject about their death came up. And uh, they were talking about what they wanted people to say about him at their death. And the first one said that he would like to be remembered as a, as a good businessman. And that because he was a good businessman, he was able to do a lot of good for people in their community. And the second one said he would love to be remembered uh, for what was his number one priority, and that was being a good family man, being a good husband, being a good father, providing for the family, uh, and leading his family in the way he was supposed to. And the third man said, well, at, at my funeral, I would lo- love for somebody to say, hey, look, his body moved. <laughs> well, here we are at the second week after Easter, and we're still in the afterglow of celebrating resurrection. And when we talk about the fact that the, the body moved, that's the story of Easter, isn't it? You see, Jesus was dead from the crucifixion on Friday, and on Sunday morning, his body moved. We're going to look at Luke's account, because I, Luke's is a very challenging way to look at the story of the resurrection. If you look at Re, uh, Luke chapter 24, the first um, uh, 12 verses, I think that what you see there is that we have a mixture just recorded by what the response is of the women and the disciples and Peter, uh, a mixture of of belief and fear and unbelief. It's the women who come to the tomb early. Uh, They find that it's empty. They find the two angels, and the angels say to them, Why seek the living one among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And then he spoke to them and said to them, remember that he talked about the fact that the Son of Man would have to die on the cross, but on the third day would be resurrected. And so I think they had a sense of belief about the story of Easter and of Christ. And they went back and they told the other disciples, but they didn't believe him but but them. But then Peter comes to the grave. He looks in. He sees that it's empty. And the Scripture says he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I don't think Peter got it at that moment, do you? He wondered at what had happened. Now, by Sunday afternoon, when we get over to verse 13, we find that hopelessness had set in as we find these two disciples that we're going to read about in just a moment on the way back to their home in Emmaus. They were defeated, they were disappointed, they were discouraged, and they were as doubtful as they could be until the miraculous took place. And that's when Jesus fell in step with them, even though he didn't recognize, they didn't recognize him. But by the end of that afternoon, they knew two things. Number one, Jesus was alive. And number two, the resurrection had relevance for all people for all time. Now, with that thought in mind, let's look at the Scripture for today, beginning in verse 13 of the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleophas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. 
He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the, early to, to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he taught with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Well, what do we gain as we look at this story and we think about the, the relevance of the resurrection? How does it apply to all people for all time? Well, I think in three simple points or observations from this story, uh, and, and having that analogy about the fact that these disciples uh, were on the road, they were walking home, and then they turned around and went back to Jerusalem, that they were journeying, and they were traveling, and they were on the road, and all of us are journeying on a road. And all along that journey, sometimes we deal with different fears and different emotions and different beliefs and unbeliefs and all of that. So I think there's relevance for us in every step of our life if we understand this story. First of all is, in, in the real life relevance of the resurrection, on the road of despair, Jesus walks with us. On the road of despair, Jesus walks with us. You look at these two disciples, and you didn't have to be there to see this. You can pick it up right easily in the Scripture. That Cleopas and his companion uh, were discouraged. Uh, they, were, they just shuffled along the journey because they were so downcast and defeated. And then Jesus slipped in with them, began walking with them, but yet it says that they were unable to recognize him. They were prevented from recognizing him. And it's so easy to pick up in their comments that their hope had, had gone. It had been demolished. They spoke about Jesus in the past tense. He was a prophet. He was handed over. He was crucified. We had hoped he would be the one. And their dreams were shattered and their hopes were crushed. You see, when you lose hope, you know you are traveling on the road to despair, just like these two disciples. 
Hope at best is sometimes a, a fragile commodity, even though we talked about it last week, that living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when hope is lost, it's very difficult to gain again. And when we talk about walking on the road of despair, that might speak to many of you right here today. In fact, probably many of you are walking on that road of despair for various reasons. You've lost hope, maybe in your marriage, or you've lost hope for your dreams, or you've lost hope for your children. You've lost hope because of your health circumstances or the health of someone you love. And that list could go on and on and on for the reasons for your despair. But the truth of this story and the relevance of the resurrection is that when you travel the road of despair, there is someone who wants to walk with you, and that someone is Jesus. And he doesn't offer to you a religion, but he offers you something far more valuable, and that is a relationship with him and a relationship with the loving God. And Jesus wants to lead you into that relationship because Jesus wants to walk with you and talk with you and fulfill God's reason for creating us. Why did God create us? Why did God create mankind? He wanted to relate to us. He wanted to talk to us. He wanted to walk with us through life's journey. That's why he created Adam and then he created Eve for Adam. You know, God would have a companion with Adam and have a relationship with him. And then he saw that the man was by himself and it wasn't good. And he created a woman for him so that there would be companionship. And then Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God's commandment even there in paradise. And Genesis 3.9 says that God asked the first question in the Bible, where are you? He knew where they were. They were in hiding. But he wanted them to admit that they were in hiding. Why were they in hiding? Because they sinned. They disobeyed what God told them. One thing in paradise that he restrained from them and they couldn't stand it. They had to take of that forbidden fruit. And the result was the fellowship between them and God was broken. But ever since then, God has been bringing people back to him into a right relationship with him. The only problem is that there are some people, maybe some of you today, who are still trying to hide from God, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Let me say to you, you don't need to hide from God. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He created you for that very reason. And Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants to give you fellowship and friendship, even on the road of despair, for whatever reason you're experiencing despair, whether it's loneliness or disappointment or shattered dreams or failure or fatigue. You know, we all know times of despair. Cornel West was an American philosopher and author and a civil rights activist who made this statement about despair. He said, quote, to live is to wrestle with despair, yet never to allow despair to have the last word, end of quote. You see, one sense of despair that we always have to deal with is a sense of despair that's brought into our life by the realization that we have sinned. And some of us choose to hide in the darkness of sin, and God does not want us to do that. In fact, in 1 John 1, 7, John writes and says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's sin, purifies us from all sin. 
See, I think that's, that's one of the most exciting truths in all of the universe when we consider the absolute relevance of the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it is this, that there is a living God who loves you and who wants to know you personally so that you can know Him personally, so that you can walk with Him through the journeys of life, and even when despair comes into your life, He walks with you through the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you today, if you're on that road of despair, do you recognize that Jesus is walking there with you? If you're on the road of despair because of some sin in your life, don't hide from God. Remember that God loves you. He created you. He wants that relationship with you. And if you realize the darkness of sin in your life and that's why you're trying to hide from God, then come and confess that sin. Confess it to Christ and accept Him as your Savior and believe in Him and enter into that joyful relationship with God. Now here's the second observation I make about the relevance of the resurrection and it's this. And that is on the road to truth. That is, as you are seeking, perhaps, more and more knowledge about this way that God talks about and about having that relationship with Him that He talks about, when you are on the road of truth seeking, then Jesus will open your eyes. When we look at the story and we look at these two followers of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus meant to them on that afternoon that Jesus was a failure. He was just another in the long line of of would-be messiahs. And these two assumed that the death of Jesus on the cross was a mistake and it led literally to a dead end. And I don't know how strongly Jesus spoke to them, whether it was a gentle rebuke or a harsh rebuke. But Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe. See, their hearts and their minds were blinded to the truth, so Jesus had to open their eyes. They were seeking. They were looking for the Messiah. They thought it was Jesus, but in his death on the cross, the sacrificial death, they thought it was over. And another would-be Messiah had been put down by the Roman government and the Jewish authorities. See, some of you might be struggling today with uh, understanding the truth and seeking the truth. And so I would want to say to you on that, on that road uh, of, of truth, seeking a relationship with God, then let Jesus open your eyes. Honestly investigate the truth. And when you do, Jesus will open your eyes to the truth about God in his relationship with you just like he did with these two disciples. And I think that there are three obvious truths that you have to know if you're seeking for the truth and meaning and purpose in life. First of all, Jesus had to die for you for you to be forgiven. In verse 26, Jesus said, did not the Christ have to suffer in order to enter his glory? You see, the two disciples considered the crucifixion to be a tragedy, and, and Jesus said, no, it's God's triumph. The Messiah had to suffer and die. Now, every year uh, on, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the Jewish high priest would sacrifice a spotless lamb. That's the only thing it could be. And, and then he would take the blood of that lamb, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat within the Holy of Holies in the temple. And that blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. 
And the life of that lamb was to be taken instead of the lives of the people. And that lamb became the substitute for their sin. Well, in the same way, on Passover, Jesus was nailed to an old rugged cross. Those crude spikes were driven through his hands and through his feet, and he was nailed to that wooden cross. He was lifted and suspended between heaven and earth to die as a substitute for our sin. And that's why John the Baptist pointed to Jesus early in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? It's because you and I aren't perfect. We sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Because of that, we need to have our sins forgiven. And the only sacrifice that would work in the sight of God and atone for our sins was that of the perfect lamb. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for sinful humanity. As all the sins of all people of all time were put on him. And the resurrection of Jesus has its relevance because that proved that God was satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus made. Then the second thing you need to know about this is that all the Bible points to Jesus as the Messiah. Well, what makes us say that out of this story? Well, as they walked along, Jesus gave these two would-be disciples who were confused and disillusioned a lesson from the Scriptures. He said, and beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Sometimes there are some confusing, sometimes discouraging places of reading in the Bible. Because it can be a a mystifying book. But if you read it with an open heart and open eyes... And you really want to understand the truth about God and His Son Jesus and how you can have that relationship with Him, then you will find that the Bible all the way through points to Jesus Christ as that promised Messiah, the Lamb who would come, who would take away the sins of the world, the perfect sacrifice who would bring us that wonderful relationship with God. See, the key to understanding the Bible is to understand that all of the Bible points to Jesus. The Old Testament says someone is coming. The Gospels say someone has come. And the epistles in the book of Revelation say someone is coming again. And all of that is talking about Jesus. And see, the resurrection is the key to understanding all of the Scriptures because it brings to us full circle about the love of God, the sacrifice of God, and the power of God that brought His Son back from the dead. And then the third truth you need to claim is that Jesus must be invited into your life. If you're really seeking after the truth and you want that relationship with God, you have to invite Jesus into your life. As Jesus journeyed on with these disciples and they approached the village, they urged him to come on with them and they sat down at the table. And the scripture says when he was at table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. You see, they invited Jesus into their home, but Jesus took the place and the role of the host and he took the bread and he broke it. And there was something there that caused them to recognize Jesus. We've got a a painting on the screen that will pop up here. 
that uh, depicts uh, uh, Jesus in the house, and it's simply called Supper of Emmaus by a Spanish artist, Diego Vasquez, in 1620. And if you can see, the, see that painting, I think you will see that this is the moment when the two disciples recognized Jesus. Maybe it was something in the breaking of the bread, the way he did that, and they had seen him do that before. Maybe they saw the nail prints in his hand. But for whatever reason, they, they recognized in the breaking of bread, in the supper of Emmaus, that this was Jesus. They had their spiritual eyes open. And when your spiritual eyes are open to the truth of Jesus, then you must invite him in as Savior and Lord. Some of you might be familiar with the man by the name of, of Bear Grylls. Uh, Bear is his nickname, and, but um, he's on the uh, survival shows. And um, uh, one of them, Man vs. Wild, and a couple of these other things. Um, and, he, and he claims to be a believer, and he says that Christianity is the backbone of his life. And in advertising one of these survival shows, I think it was Man vs. Wild, he said, when you get a chance to be saved, you've got to grab it. Now, he was speaking about being saved physically, you know. If you've watched any of those segments, and, I've, you know, they come maybe on Discovery Channel or so, you know, that, that he's in some perilous places, and it's amazing how he survives out there. But he says, when you have a chance to be saved, you need to grab it. He's talking physically. I'm talking spiritually. If you're in need of being saved today, then you need to grab it. I'm talking about grabbing a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for you, died for your sins so that you could have that relationship with God. Your sins could be forgiven and you can live for eternity with God. So that leads us then to the third observation today about the relevance of the resurrection and it's this. And that is on the road of salvation you cannot keep silent. So that is that once your eyes are open to that truth and you enter into that relationship with Christ and he walks with you in life and you walk with him and you are a believer because your eyes are open to the truth, then you cannot keep silent. When these two disciples at Emmaus discovered that this was Jesus, they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? Now, sometimes we all suffer perhaps from a little heartburn. And you can take Tums or Rolaids or maybe some of you on Nexum or some other things for, for uh, indigestion, heartburn, those kinds of things, reflux. That's not a good thing. But there is a spiritual heartburn that is a wonderful thing. And that is that when you recognize the truth of Christ and you commit your life to him, then, then your hearts will burn with the spirit of God within you. And what did these two disciples do in Emmaus when they discovered that truth? They went seven miles back. They'd already walked seven miles home. They turned around and they went seven miles back to Jerusalem and they found the disciples and they said, it's true, we've seen the Lord and he is alive. Why? Because their hearts were on fire. They had experienced and encountered the resurrected Lord Jesus. And they could not keep silent. We got a video that maybe would challenge you about that.
I, I somehow in my mind I just imagine that these two disciples when they discovered the truth of Jesus, they looked at each other and they said, let's go. And they ran back to Jerusalem and told the disciples. As we continue on on the television series on A.D., uh, we're going to go into the book of Acts. And I'm not sure what all the details are that they're going to tell us about that. But one thing that stands out in my mind is in Acts 4 where, where Peter and John are severely rebuked by the Sanhedrin and the uh, government leaders as well. And they are told not ever to speak about Jesus. They flogged them. They sent them off and said, don't ever speak about him again. And this is what they said. They said, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Isn't that absolutely amazing? You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a powerful message. And when we look at the church in Acts 2 and how it flourished and grew and the Lord added to its number, day by day we find that the secret to it was that they just weren't chosen to grow and expand and multiply, but that when they discovered the truth of the resurrection of Christ, it was not complete in their life until they shared it with somebody else. And the result was that day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what's the relevance of the resurrection for us today? It doesn't matter what road you're walking today, the road of despair or the road of, of, of seeking, the road of truth, or whether you're a believer and you're walking on that road of good news, Jesus Christ is wanting to walk with you and have that personal relationship with you. And if you are a believer in Christ, then wherever that road of salvation takes you, then you should not keep quiet. You've got a message to share. You've got a message to tell. There's a world out there lost in sin People right around you every day that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and we cannot keep silent. And on the other hand, if you're walking that road, seeking, walking the road of truth, wanting to know the truth about Jesus, is he the Son of God, is he the Messiah, is the resurrection real, then if you will seek for him, the Scripture says, with all of your heart, then you will find him. God will reveal to you, open your eyes through the teaching of the Scripture, through the movement and power of the Holy Spirit, convicting you of your sin, that Jesus is the Messiah, and you must commit your life unto Him. You have to make that decision. That's the relevance of the revelation for everyone. We all are called to make that discovery, to walk with Christ, to let Him open our eyes, to discover that truth. And then once that takes place, then as we walk that road of salvation... We cannot remain silent. We have good news to share. Let's do it. Father, we thank you for uh, this story from so long ago that takes us beyond hopelessness and despair and defeat to the ultimate victory that is found only in you through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Father, my prayer today for us as we hear this word is that those of us who know you will take seriously our responsibility to live as believers and to be excited and let your spirit burn within us and to share that message. And for others who have not yet come to accept you and to acknowledge you as the Messiah through Christ, then I pray that their eyes will be opened and they will see Jesus and understand that he is indeed the Messiah. And they will commit their lives to him because of the love you showed and his sacrifice on the cross. Father, I pray these decisions 
to be made in accordance with your will and through the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.